0: The more we can focus on care, concern, curiosity about the world and the well-being of other people, the easier it's going to be to take the kind of actions, then create value, which is then reflected back to you in your increased sales, in your targets met, in your
1: great appraisals. This is episode number 89 of The Inspiring Talk with Ron Hoffman. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam, I am your host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potency. First think first. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being an amazing listener. The Inspiring Talk is now the number one show on Apple Podcasts in India. One more time. This is awesome. With each passing day, our movement of helping people realize their true potential is getting bigger and better. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, drop five-star rating and leave your honest review for the show right now. This will help us make this community even bigger and better. Thank you once again for being part of this journey. It would have never been possible without your love and support. Now, let's get started with today's episode. One of the qualities of really, really successful people I have met is they want to serve, they want to help others achieve their goals. This single mindset shift from thinking just about yourself to asking yourself, hey, how can I be of service to others can transform your life. And no one knows this better than my guest for this episode, Ron Kaufman. Ron is the world's leading educator for uplifting customer service and building service cultures. He has helped companies like Singapore Airlines, Citibank, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, and many more to leverage the power of service culture. He is widely known for his work with government of Singapore to create and launch a national service quality training organization. Ron is rated one of the top 25 Who's Hot speakers by Speaker magazine. His energetic keynote speeches and workshops have inspired millions across the world. He is author of New York Times and USA Today bestseller, Uplifting Service, The Proven Path to Delighting Your Customers, Colleagues, and Everyone Else You Meet, and 14 other books on service, business, and inspiration. This man is amazing. You will find him highly passionate and energetic throughout this interview, and I loved the insights shared by Ron on this episode. In this conversation, we chat about how you can develop a service mindset for your success. What is service leadership and how you can develop that? How to delight others using uplifting service principles and a lot more. Without further ado, let's jump straight into the conversation. Welcome back inside this episode, guys. I have Ron Kaufman with me here today. Ron, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: It is an absolute treat to be here with you and your listeners all over the world.
1: Thank you so much, Ron. It's an honor to have you here. I want to jump straight into the conversation, and I would like to start with a recent tweet of yours where you tweeted, when you think of others, you open a window to your soul. When you act for others, you open a door. What do you mean by that?
0: Why we are actually here on earth. Many of us get raised that it's all about who you are and what you want and what you become and what's your identity. And and right from the very beginning, what is your name, little boy, little girl? And so, so much of the way we are raised is about considering oneself. But the reality is that no one exists without the world of others. Somebody had to snuggle up in order to create you. Somebody had to carry you in their tummy. Somebody had to feed you, change your clothes, teach you, make sure that you had the medical care that you needed, grow you up, fall in love with you, argue with you, work with you, buy from you, sell to you. In other words, we are not these isolated individuals. When you open yourself up to be concerned about and take care of other people, that is where who you really are shows up. And yet that's a different interpretation than living in a world where it's about how much do I get? So when I wrote the definition of service as taking action to create value for someone else, I was trying to get people's orientation to be not so much about the action that I take, but on the value that I create for others so whether it's opening your eyes or opening your ears or opening your heart the more we can orient ourselves to the well-being of other people actually the richer life we enjoy and we become
1: that's beautifully put since a lot of uh, you know my listeners who listen to this podcast are the people who are looking at personal transformation, constantly looking at becoming better and better version of themselves. They would like to, you know, be the best person. Right. Listen to
0: that. Listen to that. Be the best version of myself. (laughs) Please, yourself (laughs) only exists because there's other people. (laughs) Sorry, carry on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, they want to be better at what they do. And, you know, as you mentioned, when you open up for other people, and that's interesting that you say that when you serve others and, you know, you enrich your own life and that mindset shift from seeing that hey you know what i want to do things for myself to i want to first serve people and as a result of that i become more fulfilled or i become more successful or you know i become more happier there needs to be you know a mindset shift that needs to happen there right so how can individuals develop that kind of mindset
0: yeah, I think we need to recognize just how much we're up against, if you will, when we look at the way in which so many of us have been educated. In the early days, we were graded, we were tested, you know, how good are you compared to someone else? And of course, you wanted to be better. And then we started getting sold on things like, you know, smarter fashion or a nicer car or a better job or a bigger salary or a prettier friend. And, you know, it was all about you, 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 you compared to others rather than seeing yourself as who you are is the gifts that you are to other people, the efforts you make for other people. People, the actions that you take for other people, the contributions you make to other people and that fundamental shift. We can't assume that school was going to teach it to us. Number one, that's everybody's dealing with that until you get into the working world. And the moment you get into the working world, then you can get confused again and think, well, my job is to hit a target or my job is to meet a KPI or my job is to close a project or my job is to not make a mistake. And all of that narrative doesn't start with, who are we actually doing this for? Who's going to get the benefit of these efforts, these products, these conversations that we get into? And if you look at it, really, it's always going to be someone else. So the more we can focus on care, concern, curiosity about the world and the well-being of other people, the easier it's going to be to take the kind of actions that then create value, which is then reflected back to you in your increased sales, in your targets met, in your great appraisals. So the objective is not to get a great appraisal. It's to do things for other people so that the appraisal comes back. It's not to hit the sales target. It's to take care of what other people need well enough that the sales come through and you exceed the target.
1: So as an individual, what's the simplest thing that they can start doing today when it comes to, you know, they want to do something for others? What's the simplest thing that they can do today for others
0: stop focusing on yourself and be authentically curious concerned about the world of someone else i I had a fabulous conversation with my wife this morning we were talking about in communication so much of our world is like speak your mind and free speech and find your voice i mean as if it's all about the speaker in fact the industry that i was in for so many years is called professional speaking That's not what matters. What matters is the listening. What matters is the way whatever it is that you said shows up in the world of the other person. There's a phrase I love I learned a long time ago. It says the meaning of a communication is the response that you get. It's not what you said. It's what was listened. And other people have backgrounds of listening that comes out of their culture, their education, their occupation, their family situation, their current health. And so to the extent that we can be concerned and curious about someone else, then we can listen to the way that they're listening and then be in that conversation where we care about what's showing up on the other side, not what am I trying to say?
1: That's interesting. So, a while back, you mentioned about... BJ, uh, I'm going
0: to jump in on you here. No, it's not interesting. If we embrace this, it's life transforming. And the reason I want to lean in on this is that it's so easy to go, oh, yeah, yeah, think about the other person. Okay, I'm back to life. No, 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 this is not easy. (laughs) This is not easy to enter into a conversation this evening with your spouse. Or yep. when your kids and realize what matters is the world in which they are, how do I be appreciative of that and sensitive to that and concerned for that and be able to see what it is that they care about? Ah, now can I show up as an offer here? Can I be a contributor here? Can I help in some way here? Now I've really reoriented. And that's, that's that one thing you asked about is stop making it about yourself and make it about others.
1: Yeah, that's uh, where you know I was coming because you know all the time it's about how do I, as you have rightly said, it's about me. It's about I want to become successful. I want to achieve this. I want to do this. And then here you are proposing that hey, you know, forget about that and go ahead and make it about someone else, and then you will anyways get those results when you do that.
0: I don't want to diminish it. It's not like then you anyway will get or <laughs> forget about yourself. No, 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 no. The way you create yourself. Is in who you are for others. Look at you, BJ. You're an interviewer. You have this wonderful podcast. You've got listeners all over the world. So if somebody says, Hey, who is this guy, BJ? They're going to say, Oh, he puts together these interviews that, yeah, tell me about it. They're not going to tell anybody about what your haircut looks like. They're going to (laughs) tell people, or even your tone of voice, they're going to tell about what it is they learned on your podcast. How did it help them enrich their lives? That's
1: who
0: you are, BJ. You are to other people.
1: True. Thanks for that, uh, Ron. So let me, you know, maybe you can draw the examples from your own life on how you started thinking about or what was that moment for you when you realized, uh aha, when you had that, you know, light bulb moment saying that, you know what, I mean, maybe, or maybe you have grown that way, or how did that um, thing happen in your life when you started thinking about others or serving others?
0: Well, I, I was very fortunate when I was very young. I had a grandmother who taught kindergarten for 40 years. And I used to have the privilege from time to time to go to her kindergarten. as, like, you know, the kindergarten teacher's grandson. I was maybe four mm-hmm. or five years old. And, you know, in kindergarten, kids fight and they throw things and they argue and they play and they sit down and they cry. and all And all she wanted to do was make every single kid feel like a good kid. And every parent, when they drop the kid off in the morning, like your child is precious. And at the end of the day, even if the kid had been a jerk all day long, that's not what she told the parents. She said, you know, your little boy loves you so much. Why? So that when that kid went home, he'd go home into another loving space and it would be enriching. Then I got involved in a sport called ultimate Frisbee. Now, it's a competitive team sport. I was involved in the earliest days. In fact, I'm in the ultimate Frisbee Hall of Fame because I'm the guy who took the sport into other countries around the world. And the first rule of the game is called the spirit of the game. And it goes like this. The players on the field are responsible for the quality and the spirit of play which means it's not up to the referee to say who was offsides or who fouled. If there's a disagreement, the players themselves have to work it out on the field. At the end of the game, each team gives the other team a spirit award to say thank you for nurturing the spirit of our interaction together. And then when I came to Singapore in 1990 to work on something called the Service Quality Center, I realized there wasn't a good well-grounded definition of what do we mean by service? And I heard very fluffy stuff like the customer is always right, which isn't true, or the customer (laughs) is king. What does that make you a slave or treat other people the way you want them to treat you? And I realized that was the most bogus of all because the person I was serving, they're not like me. They're like Hmm. them. And so I I had to think through what actually is service and realize that it was what happens for the other person. How are we going to quantify that? Okay, let's call it value. How are we going to create that? We're going to take actions. Who's going to take the actions? The service provider. So service is taking action to create value for someone else. But while the definition starts with action, no, no, no. The place it really begins is in the world of the other person. And that's why being curious about someone else and listening well and caring about their well-being, that's the secret to getting a lot more out of life and enjoying putting a lot more into life.
1: So one of the interesting thoughts that, uh, you know, came to my mind when you're talking about serve others is, especially a lot of people, when they think about, hey, you know what, you need to help others, serve others. And they're like, you know what, I mean, I'm the one who is in need. I mean, I'm not in position to serve, right? So I'm sure you have come across those kind of people who say, you know what, I'm not in a position to serve others. How can I serve? I'm not a CEO of the company or I'm not a, you know, boss of the company. How can I serve others, right? So what would be your message to people who might be thinking that, hey, how can I serve others? Mm -hmm. Do you believe anybody can serve?
0: Everybody is serving all the time. And what I mean by that is that you're always taking action, whether it's in your mood, whether it's in your tone of voice, whether it's in your body language, whether it's in your hand gestures, when you're interacting with somebody else. And their experience of you is either creating or diminishing value. For example, I'm sure you've seen people walk into a meeting And kind of go, oh, okay, what's this meeting for? And just like that, they brought the whole room down. Just like that, they destroyed value. They degraded the mood in the room itself. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't walk in sometimes and go, okay, guys, this is very serious. Let's get focused. But then you're helping. And as for not being the boss of the company and only being, let's say, on the front line, you still have colleagues that you interact with every day. You have suppliers and vendors and distributors and resellers and partners. You have customers and clients and visitors and members and guests or whatever version your industry calls it. And every single one of those interactions, you can choose to participate in a way that creates a better experience for the other party. Even when you send an email, to be able to sign off the email and say, hey, just one more thing, or P.S., thanks for being one of our suppliers. We really appreciate working with you. The guy on the other side is going to get this email and go, what the heck is that about? But he's doing it with a smile. You created more value.
1: Beautiful. So you talk about service leadership and, you know, people can develop the service leadership. What is service leadership and how can one develop that?
0: Well, service leadership is not only providing great service in a situation to, let's say, a customer in a business environment but it's also recognizing that you have responsibility for creating that kind of culture within the organization. And so it's not just about service to those who are, let's say, paying for your products and services. It's also service internally, within the team, between colleagues, between departments. I'm sure you've heard the phrase internal customer. I hate it. And the reason I hate the phrase is it sounds like One person is the customer and the other is the service provider. But if we look inside any organization, the reality is that people on either side of that interaction could take some action that would make it easier for the other party. So let's use a classic example, finance and sales. They're always arguing with each other. Finance people are complaining that the salespeople don't submit all the receipts and they don't have all the signatures and they're late. And then the people in sales are complaining that the people in finance are so picky and they're not doing things right. I can see you're laughing, right? So the truth is, neither is the internal customer of the other. They are what I call service partners. Each party could do something that would make it easier, better, more valuable, to the other party. So if you're going to constitute yourself in a position of service leadership, then you need to demonstrate that and build the culture and provide the education so that that's how everybody's working in all situations all
1: the time. You know, it's, as you rightly mentioned, right? I mean, having that developing that, again, culture of service within the organization, and uh, even on your example of comparing the two worlds of USN when you landed for the first time in Singapore, or when you asked a friend to come to Singapore and see, and there's this huge difference on the service culture. And I think that comes from the mindset of, again, I'm going back to the mindset again and again, right? Uh, Mindset of developing that service culture. And what, you know, when you are working with a lot of organizations and even the individuals, what are some of the, you know, biggest, let's say, bottlenecks or Lack of understanding when it comes to service that people have, when it comes to giving that level of service, you know, that you talk about in your uplifting service or on your work, delight your customers, as you say.
0: Yeah, that's a huge question with lots of scope. I want to say something about Asia and Western Europe and, you know, other parts of the world, because there's already always a certain background culture, that evolved historically. And so one of the things about living for three decades in Singapore, although I travel a great deal over those 30 years, it's a more communal orientation, just by the nature of its history, by its philosophies, some of its religions, the way of doing governance, etc. And so you have people in, in one part of the world that are just naturally oriented, I think, in a different way to the well-being of the community and the order of the community and the vibrant the health of the community. Whereas you have other places like where I used to live in the United States where it's much more of a, you know, trust the free market. And, you know, may the best man win. And by the way, it's usually a man, right? I mean, you know, that, that's changing in our world today. And I want to speak right to, you know, the issue that we're all facing right now with the coronavirus is that as an entire species, we're starting to recognize, hold on a second. If I go outside and I just do what I want to do, not just am I at risk, I'm putting other people at risk. And then if somebody else is walking around and they're doing just what they want to do, hey, they're putting me at risk. So we are all in this together in ways that I don't think anybody alive today has really had to reckon with before, which includes big questions like, what is the role of business? Is it just to return the highest amount to the shareholders? Is it just to pursue a profit motive? Or is there a responsibility for employment within the community, for ecological sustainability, for education of younger people? What is the role of government? Is it just a regulator so that there isn't bad behavior? Or do they actually have a responsibility to provide for a kind of health care, education, eradication of poverty, hand in hand with the government, with business? What is the role of faith-based organizations and religious organizations and other kinds of non-government organizations? So all of us are looking at this now and realizing, hey, we're in this together. Oh, very good. So then maybe from early childhood education, we should be teaching what's important is being with others, not just how much you stand out from the others and think that you're better than the others. How are we as a social collective coming along? Because that really is the quality of who you are.
1: So, yes. When you are working with a lot of organizations and even with individuals to help them build the service culture, what are some of the things that, you know, you have realized most people get wrong Ah, when it comes to building the service culture? Got it.
0: People often hear the word service and they automatically and only connect it to external service to the paying customer. And so when they hear the phrase service culture, they think, oh yeah, for those guys those men and women that are facing the external customer they're the ones who need service culture and they don't recognize how essential the internal service is at creating the environment and the enablement that allow the external facing team members to do a great job for the external customers so for example human resources finance i.t department facilities, maintenance, security, administration, all of those are providing service to the people who are providing service to the end customer. If the internal service is not fabulous, you're going to make it a lot harder for those people to take better care of the external customer. So what we've actually learned is that when we go to work with large organizations, we start with the internal service providers. We want them to step up the service they provide to their colleagues first, then we can go after the external experience. So that's a big one that people tend to get wrong is that they oh, service, that's the external, rather than recognizing Mm -hmm. that's what all of us are doing with and for all of us all the time.
1: That's a very prevalent light. I mean, people don't know that the whole purpose of the business is to serve others. And, you know, we are always thinking that that's external. That's a really great perspective there. And you, you know, mentioned a couple of times about, different departments within the organization working together right let's say sales with finance or or it with finance or so on and so forth so now i would like to you know know from you because you have worked with some of the you know organizations and helped them develop the best service and you know they have won award several awards in becoming you know so whether that's changi airport or whether that's singapore airlines and so on and so forth so how can teams collaborate effectively with each other?
0: I would encourage a team who needs to work with another team. Is that what you're referring to? Like department to department. Okay. True. Then what you want to do is bring representatives of these two departments together. And remember where we started about being curious for the other side and ask questions like, what is it that we're doing for you now that you appreciate? And you want to be sure that we keep doing it. Okay. What is it we're doing now that you really wish we'd stop doing? Okay. What is it that you'd like us to do more of? Because we only do it occasionally on special requests, but you think it would be really more helpful. And what is it you'd like us to stop? And then what else have we not even thought about that if we did it for you, it would make your life so much easier? (laughs) That's in one direction. Okay, good listening, 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 listening. Then you flip it around. You have the other part. So, well, now you turn. By the time you get all of that out there, now you've got two teams genuinely listening to each other. Then you can go into an exploration about, huh, no way can we do everything that you just asked next month. And actually, some of the things you asked us to stop, we can't because they're legal or they're regulatory or they're safety related. OK, so let's do an exploration with each other and we'll make some priority lists and we'll see what's more feasible and what's not. And then let's come to mutual promises for a certain period of time. Hey, OK, let's let's see what we can do to make this happen. Brrr. And then you meet again and you acknowledge what worked, and you explore what didn't, and you go around and around. It's called the cycle of service improvement from explore to agree, to deliver, to assure. And every time you complete that cycle, you build a little more trust. You build a little more confidence. You build a little more, hey, we can do this together. And
1: that's how you build better teams. Between teams. And when you wish- Yes. yes. And while you were sharing that and, uh, you know, the thought that was going on in my mind was, you know what? I mean, a lot of teams never even have that effort of understanding and even they don't sit across the table just to have this understanding and just have the no, conversations no, to no, no. understand. DJ, they have department meetings in which yeah. somebody
0: from the other department's not welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. True. That's they never <laughs> sit across the table and I had someone on the podcast, uh, you know, earlier and he would say, in this world, everyone is trying to become interesting. So the, the key here is to become interested, which, you, you know, you have also said, be exactly, curious. Exactly, True. Exactly. So you want to be interested, not be interesting, because everyone is trying to be how good I am, you know, how amazing I am. But nobody's willing to know, hey, how amazing you are. Share more about it. I would like to know more about it. And then when you get those more perspective and you know, where the lens and see the world from their lens and maybe I think that helps a lot in putting yourself on shoes as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So So you write about 12 building blocks of a service culture, right? So could you share some of the examples here for the people on what are those building blocks? Sure,
0: sure. Now, I just want to say that in the architecture for an uplifting service culture, imagine a house. The foundation is getting the education about service that no one received in school. That's really got to be provided first. And, And for example, the cycle of service improvement that I just shared with you, that wasn't in your algebra class. It wasn't in your English class. It wasn't in your French class. It wasn't in your geography class. And yet, if you learned it and you applied it and you practiced it, you'd be creating a lot more value and better service in the world. By the way, that's how you get a promotion because you're the one who's <laughs> leading your teams that way. So on top of this foundation of education and continuous improvement generation of ideas are what I call building blocks. So in a normal house, that is your wood and your steel and your cement and your windows and your tile. But in a culture, it's things like, who do you recruit? How do they get onboarded? What kind of internal communications mechanisms are you using? And what are you talking about? How do people get recognized and rewarded? How is the voice of the customer captured and listened to? And how is it shared within the organization? what do you do when things go wrong? What's the recovery policy? What's the method inside the company for that? Is there a process for continuous service improvement, like a suggestion program or workout teams? Or in other words, there are 12 of these building blocks. And you could just hear that everything I said is not about how do you give the external customer better service? It is about how do you create an environment? that continually educates, inspires, encourages, recognizes the team members themselves for providing a great service experience to others. So that's what the building blocks are. Now, just to give you the one other piece of the architecture, if you have a foundation of education, 12 building blocks to create a strong culture, then the roof is the behaviors of service leaders. These are the people who need to give direction, like, we're going that way. This is a hospital. No, this is a church. No, this is a shopping mall. No, this is a, like, what is this building for? And then they also need to provide protection. And so that means the role modeling behavior of the leaders needs to actually align with and reinforce everything that you say you want to be about the culture.
1: Super. Now, the other thing that I want to talk to you is about with this ongoing pandemic and you know the crisis that the world is at yes how do you see the service culture or uh, you know this evolving or maybe you know what what are some of the things that you see that's going to happen uh, you know as we get out of this or as we navigate through this i yeah. think
0: bj this is one of the most important questions that you could ask and while i know many people are concerned and anxious and for good reason they may be worried about their economic health or the physical health or what society going to be like or or if i'm single how am i ever going to find somebody to take out on a date or <laughs> you know the world's changed <laughs> but i would say that this is one of the most incredible possible moments to be alive we are not dealing with the consequences of a military world war We are dealing with the consequences of rampant deforestation, which has caused wildlife to come into habitats that they weren't familiar with, with a population that has been consuming a level of nutrition far in excess of what is needed, including animals at the level of pure industrial Slaughter, sorry to be so crude about it, but that's what it is, resulting in human bodies that don't have the same kind of vitality and vibrancy than when people you know lived on a farm, in an era where business has evolved to the point where the profit motive is driving capitalism in a way that it isn't necessarily taking good care at a time when technology is accelerating so fast that jobs themselves are have a big question mark around them. In a global ecology that is so fragile that all of a sudden everybody's waking up. (laughs) Now, I didn't say waking up and have the right answers. I just said waking up. And so I think we're in a moment right now where each and every person who has the privilege of being alive now can at whatever level you have, maybe it's just your family, maybe it's your neighborhood, maybe it's your own mood that shows up when you're on the phone or you're on a video call with a friend. Maybe it's in the language you use in an email. Maybe it's the way you reach out to help somebody who you can see could use some help and there's nothing in it for you. But that's the whole point. There's everything in it for you. Because what's at stake right now is the quality of the community of humanity itself, and it's so rare to get this kind of opportunity to lean in and contribute to the design of that. Now, I'm not saying that you're the Pope, and you're not the president, and you're not the head of the World Health Organization of the United Nations. No, very few people are that. But you are, whoever you are listening to this, you are you. And the way you are in your world can make it a better world. And I think everybody's kind of realizing that right now. And so this is a real call to action that says the more effort you make to create a better world with and for other people, the better it's going to enrich and fulfill your own life.
1: That's aptly said, Ron. I have one last question left for you, and it's been an amazing conversation with you. So before I ask you that question, if people would like to reach out to you and get in touch with you and learn more about your work, what would be the best possible way to get in touch with you?
0: You can go to my website. It's ronkaufman.com. R-O-N-K-A-U-F-M-A-N dot com. And there's a place right there where you can subscribe. And then you'll be getting regular messages from me. I don't bombard you with spam, you know, once a month. If you're a company person and you're concerned about your customers, and you're concerned about the quality of service that you provide and the culture of service that you have, then you can go to our company's website, which is upliftingservice.com. Two words together, upliftingservice.com. And again, you'll find out a lot. And on both of these sites are a huge number of resources, videos, PDFs, white papers, interviews, that you're welcome to access for free.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Make sure, guys, you check out Ron's website and his company's website, and you will see literally hundreds of videos and resources on these services and how you can up your service game and delight your customers. Don't forget to check that out, and you will be blown away by the kind of insights and wisdom that he has shared, not only on his website, uh, and you know he has done some incredible work in, as I mentioned in the intro of this episode, about the Changi Airport making one of the best airports on the world. He's the man behind that. All right, Ron, here's the last question for you.
0: VJ. before you go to the last question, I just need to say something about what you just said. I'm honored and touched yeah. that you say he's the man. I want to recognize that there's 38,000 people that go to work at the airport every day, and they've been doing this for years. So I would say, oh, yes, I'm the man like a guy who had the great privilege of working with and contributing to an extraordinary culture and an effort of so many people. And yes, my involvement had some influence, but it had influence because of the world of other people that I was able to contribute to. It's not about me. It's about us.
1: hundred percent. So here's the last question for you, Ron. Imagine that you are standing on a stage and you do that quite a bit now possibly from the home, but let's say after all the pandemic is over and you are standing on the stage of a stadium and this is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And there are millions and millions of people on that stadium and you haven't given one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life. What would be your
0: I would have people close their eyes and take a great big breath and recognize that being physically alive is a vibrant phenomenon. It's a real thing. It's not just the thoughts running in your head. You have a biology, you have a body, you have a tummy, right? And when you inhale air, it keeps you alive, right? And then you. And then when they're feeling alive, I'm going to have everybody turn to a person next to you and give them a hug and just feel what it feels like authentically to have another one of those extraordinarily unique characters there that you can just express appreciation to, that you can just give. And some of them are going to be guys thumping each other on the back and some are going to be couples and they're going to be in these intimate caresses and some will be strangers that kind of go, oh, uh, uh, well, okay, come here, let me go. But whatever version it is, is okay, right? And then have people come back and recognize that, you know, who's here in the stadium? It's not just you with your breath. It's not just the one next to you hug. Look at how many other people are here. Look at and all of them just hug. Say, How do you guys feel about that? And <sighs> you can imagine the joy in the stadium. That
1: would be the message. Thank you so much, Ron. It has been an amazing conversation well, with you. you. Thank, thank you so you much. to the
0: listeners. And listeners, if you're in a car or you're on headphones and you know, you're listening to this podcast, whenever it may be that you are, the next time you have an opportunity to reach out and hug somebody, it could be in the smile in your eyes. It could be in a gentler tone of voice. It could be that you pick up your phone and you text something to someone you care about just to say thank you. It could be at work. It could be in an email somewhere in your life. It doesn't have to be a physical hug, but make a point today of reaching out and give somebody that good hug that lets them know that you care about and appreciate them. I appreciate you, PJ. Thank you for being the vehicle that allows us to reach so many people in the world.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Inspiring Talk. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Ron Kaufman. If you did, make sure that you share this episode by visiting the show notes page at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash eight, You can also access all the links and resources by visiting the show notes page at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash eight, Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, Go out there and do something inspired.